0: Welcome to The Collective Table, the ultimate female perspective on Jesus, justice, and joy with Chelsea Simon, with Dana Black, and with Claire Watson. We are all United Methodist pastors in different places of the ordination process. The three of us are working to provide progressive and affirming Christian content, resources, and community through The Collective Table. The Collective Table offers many ways to connect in person and virtually, such as a podcast, We are in our sixth season of the podcast, diving into the parables of Jesus. Each episode, we will discuss these stories that Jesus told, which uproot, not confirm conventional thoughts and ideas. They are not motivational snippets or general truths. This may seem surprising or unsettling for many of us, especially if you've been raised in the Christian faith tradition. Our goal throughout the season is to help you get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. What part, moment, or person in the parable caused a reaction of resistance rather than acceptance? How might we, together in community, understand this parable from a different perspective? Can we allow ourselves to seek with curiosity so the breath of God can speak to us today in our time and space? Hey everyone, Chelsea here with episode two of our series on parables. Today, I'm gonna be talking about a parable that is typically called the workers in the vineyard, but that I like to call the generous landowner. And you'll see why by the end, I hope. This story can be found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses one through 16. And I am reading from the CEB or Common English Bible translation. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner Who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard? After he agreed with the workers to pay them a denarion, he sent them into his vineyard. Then he went out around nine in the morning and saw others standing around the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. And they went. Again around noon, and then at three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. Around five in the afternoon, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why are you just standing around here doing nothing all day long? Because nobody will hire us, they replied. He responded, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the workers and give them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and moving on finally to the first. When those who were hired at five in the afternoon came, each one received a denarion. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more but each of them also received a denarion. When they received it, they grumbled against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked one hour, and they received the same pay as we did, even though we had to work the whole day in the hot sun. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I did you no wrong. Didn't I agree to pay you a denarion? Take what belongs to you and go. I want to give to this one who was hired last the same as I gave to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what belongs to me? Or are you resentful because I am generous? So those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In 2012, zoologists at Emory University, Franz de and Sarah Brosnan, conducted a series of studies exploring the concept of fairness. From young ages, and throughout adulthood really, we often hear or even mutter the phrase, that's not fair. So these experiments set out to discover where our agitation with unfairness comes from. Is it a cultural add-on or is it hardwired? Using capuchin monkeys, DeWall and Brosnan designed the experiment to explore just that. They placed a pair of monkeys in cages side by side so that the monkeys could see each other. They then trained them to take turns giving small stones to their human handlers. Every time a monkey gave a rock, they would receive a piece of cucumber for their reward. Since monkeys love cucumbers, they found this arrangement to be acceptable and handed over their rock with enthusiasm. But then the handler changed things up. After a few fair and even exchanges, The handler rewarded the first monkey with a chunk of cucumber as usual, but gave the second monkey a grape, the equivalent of fine wine or caviar in the monkey world. Seeing that the game had changed for the better, the first monkey perked up and very eagerly handed over another rock, expecting, of course, to receive a grape too. But no, the handler gave her another piece of cucumber. To make things worse, the handler then gave the second monkey another grape for free. The results, which you can look up on YouTube, and you should, because it's hilarious, were striking. The first monkey just about lost her mind. Not only did she refuse to eat the cucumber, she threw it back in the handler's face. She then proceeded to bang against the bars of the cage, throwing her remaining rocks in every direction, and making furious gestures at the grape-eating monkey. The experiment has since been repeated using other primates, and the results have been astonishingly similar. Scientists have also studied the development of fairness in human babies and found that infants as young as nine months old will react quite strongly and negatively to perceived unfairness. Clearly, as Brosnan and DeWall concluded after their experiment, fairness is a concept that is deeply rooted in the human psyche. Which brings us to the scripture today. Which features a parable about fairness that might very well lead us to behave like that first monkey and throw a few cucumbers at God. In this story that Jesus told to his disciples, it's time to harvest the vineyard. So the landowner goes to the marketplace first thing in the morning to hire some workers. They agree on a set wage and the workers get to work. But for some reason, the landowner didn't plan properly. He has to go back to the marketplace four more times to gather more workers 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., and even 5 p.m. When it's quitting time, the workers line up for their payment with the ones being hired last at the front of the line. The landowner gives each worker a denarion, which is a full day's wage. Even those who only work for one hour. That's not fair. Shouldn't the ones who worked longer get paid more? They let the landowner know of their discontent, but the landowner basically says, it's my money. I can do what I want. And then the parable comes to an end. First, I think it's important to talk a little bit about parables. Parables are short stories that Jesus used to convey his teachings and message. Parables are not to be read literally. They are not these universal moral lessons that hold only one meaning. They are complicated and strange. As A.J. Levine says in her book, Short Stories by Jesus, what makes the parables mysterious or difficult is that they challenge us to look into hidden aspects of our own values, our own lives. They bring to the surface unasked questions, and they reveal the answers we have always known but refuse to acknowledge. Our reaction to them should be one of resistance rather than acceptance. So we might be better off thinking less about what parables mean and more about what they do. Do they remind us, provoke us, confront us, Do they disturb us? I'm guessing when we read this parable of the generous landowner, some feelings might come up. I know they do for me. My initial reaction is, You guessed it. That's not fair. And then I'm challenged to discover why I feel this is not fair. I'm challenged to consider tough questions about fairness, justice, and equality that I'd rather ignore. When we read this parable literally, We assume we know what is fair and what is not. Equal pay for equal work is fair. That sounds like justice to me. Equal pay for unequal work is not fair. In our society today, we see this. We expect an even exchange. And we're suspicious, even angry, when something else happens. We're left grumbling. That's not fair. But God... If the landowner in Jesus's parable represents God, is not fair. At least not according to our inherited beliefs about fairness. It seems God isn't interested in showing favor to the best, the biggest, and the brightest, the workers with the most elite educations, astonishing professional achievements, and fanciest zip codes. In fact, the landowner in Jesus's story doesn't even judge his workers by their hours worked. He doesn't obsess over why some workers are able to start at dawn. And others are not. As Debbie Thomas says, perhaps the late starters aren't as literate, educated, or skilled as their competitors. Perhaps they have learning challenges or a tough home life or children to care for at home. Perhaps they're refugees or don't own cars or don't speak the language or can't get green cards. Perhaps they struggle with chronic depression or anxiety. Perhaps employers refuse to hire them because they're gay or trans or disabled or black. Or female. Whatever the case may be, the landowner doesn't ask them to explain or defend themselves. All he cares about is that every last person in the marketplace finds a spot in his vineyard. When we look at the empire's economics versus God's economics, there is no comparison. The empire's economics are based on scarcity, control, hierarchy, and power. It is about a form of fairness based on entitlement and transactions. But God's economy is one of abundance, openness, and freedom. It's based in gifts, generosity, and gratitude. The landowner isn't just hiring these workers for a day. He's inviting them into a new life, an economy of generosity. This alternative economy undermines false notions of entitlement, limits, and fairness. And it creates a community where all have dignity and where all are fed. This is why, I think, that the landowner opts to pay the last to arrive first. He wants those hired first to witness the generosity, the abundance, the new way of life that allows enough for everyone. I wonder how many of us, when we read this parable, identify with those who are hired first. How many of us believe we would be those early birds who worked all day in the field? How many of us would go from grateful to grumbling In the matter of a few hours, believing while the landowner gave us the greed amount, we were cheated. How might this story change if we were to situate ourselves among those hired at nine or noon or three or even five? Would we be feeling grateful, ecstatic, saved? Would we be able to experience the wideness and the depth of grace? What I find amazing about this parable is that the landowner keeps going back. He keeps saying there is work for you, there is room for you, you are needed too. Almost as if the urgency of this gift just cannot be contained. I believe that on any given day, whether we join in the work at 6am or 6pm, God celebrates and offers us grace. The persistence of God's invitation is available no matter who we are, no matter where we are. The invitation to work in the field is a gift in itself, and God continually is inviting us. God's love and grace just can't seem to be discerning, because God isn't fair. In fact, God is irrationally and irresponsibly generous. What makes God's grace offensive isn't who it leaves out, but who it lets in, and it starts with you and with me, and fairness has nothing to do with it. So may we turn our grumbling hearts into grateful ones. May we learn to see the world through the eyes of God. May we unfairly and indiscriminately offer our generosity. And may we say yes to God's ongoing invitation to get to work. May it be so. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Together, we are what God looks like. The Collective Table is supported by San Diego United Methodist Church in Encinitas, California, and the California Pacific Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. A big thank you to our producer and content editor, Claire Watson. If you'd like to financially support the work of The Collective Table, please visit us at thecollectivetable.org. There you can also find out more about who we are and view past episodes be sure to subscribe to the podcast, YouTube channel, and newsletter, and keep up with us on our Instagram and Facebook at The Collective Table.